And we are live um, after about a 35-minute chinwag before we actually got started. You can tell it's been a while since we've caught up. Um, but we're live today with Caroline from Coaching with Caroline, or CWC, uh, who had me on, what are we, we saying, about two years ago? I had me on your own podcast. I think it was. Yes, I'm thinking the first one. You've helped me out and been in on podcasts and groups a couple of times now from my end, but oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're flipping the tables today and uh, getting Caroline on the very packed schedule that is Recom's podcast. <laughs> I think you're currently our third guest, so uh, we're getting in there early. But the... Yeah, I think you reached out to me and said that you complimented the aesthetics of my Instagram, which is something that I, I, I took very, very highly as a, a massive compliment. But um, we found out on the on the first podcast that you've got a background in architecture. So we're very keen eye for, uh, for design because I clocked that with your own one. Um, but having spoke you know, plenty of times back and forth since then, I think we've got a very similar coaching philosophy. And, you know, there's obviously going to be differences within that, but I can see very much eye to eye with quite a lot of uh, you know, what you do. And I can see the results that you're producing with the, you know, the girls and guys on your team and seeing you going from strength to strength over these last two years. So I wanted to bring you on and just ask a couple of questions, um, you know, a few things, how things are going on your end, and then see if we can bring some value because I know, because of the way that you coach, it's going to have a lot of value for our own clients as well. So selfishly, <laughs> there's a bit of self-indulgement on that side. But um, but before we kick off with that, what's Caroline's story? Like, where are you where are you come from? What are you doing? Like, what's the setup there? Oh my goodness, where do you even where do you even start? I will say as well, like it, that sounds very very shallow that I went on your Instagram and I was like, oh, that looks aesthetically pleasing. But it was actually that was what caught my eye initially. But exactly as you just said there, it was the message that was behind it all. And I was like, oh my God, that, that's me, but but a male. And 10, 15, 20 chapters ahead of what I'm doing. And I think it was, you always have these people that, you know, you, you keep your eye on and you have them. I don't know if role model is the right is the right word, but you were always kind of up there with the, I'm quite careful about who I, who I watch and who I observe and who I like to, you know, the social media is so saturated now I'm quite careful about where I keep my eyes and and you know what I'm what I'm looking at and you guys were always always it was just you at the time actually I think you might have it would have just been you were a one-man band at that time maybe um and that was one of the things I was like I really like what you're doing and I really like what you're saying and yeah so that was why I initially reached out and got you on the podcast but then when we first chatted we did both have a background in architecture we both played no, that you're more than me you more than me but. did you finish it I never did I ask it did you finish oh, it no no I, I, I didn't I'd done the placement and was like yeah this is not for me at all so we're we're all good uh, on that side of things but you, so uh, you jumped you, you start- early I did my time in the trenches so I worked in practice I was a I was an architect for for years went through the course worked in firms Glasgow London laterally I moved into the interior design game in Vancouver I thought maybe picking scatter cushions would be more more my jam and it wasn't so I I always say this I I got made redundant actually from that job and I was in Canada 
had not a load of money. I was living in an apartment where the bed folded out from the wall. It was one room and the bed folded out. <laughs> it was literally, I used to call it my Polly Pocket apartment because it was just this tiny, tiny little, tiny little space that I was there. I had no job, um, not a load of money. And I had been doing my PT course on the side just for various reasons I wasn't really trusting a lot of what I was as was being told I wanted to you know just see if I could uh, learn myself and then I basically from there from being pushed uh, set up CWC and two and a bit years down the line here we are still doing it I rate that <laughs> this is one of the I think this is one of the strengths that when we first spoke that really made you stand out a little bit for, for myself and first off thanks very much that was very complimentary in terms of uh saying a couple of chapters ahead I don't think that's the case by any means you're very much uh taken to this uh this whole industry very quickly but one of the things that and the, the reasons for that I think is the fact that you're coaching people that are working for, for lack of a better phrase working normal jobs and that there's a lot of coaches in the industry myself included that's never really spent a long time in a normal or corporate style job and so you're coming from a perspective that's that's very different and it's something that I've seen like as Jade's moved and kind of molded into the, the coaching role from you know working as a scientist herself in the NHS Jade's got a lot of uh, clients who work for the NHS and she really understands them to I've coached plenty of clients for more than a decade that do that but she understands them to a level of like she actually went through the same thing you know and it's like even small things like what they actually called a tea break like I can't remember oh my goodness. I am so sorry did you just hear my phone go off sorry all right oh. you're good um cardinal rule I've got actually not put this on flight mode so this might go off as well but um <laughs> but I can't remember the name of it like but Jay don't even know like what they all call the tea break like there's a name for it I can't even remember but like that level of experience is just something that you even if you've worked with people to that degree you actually if you've never been through it yourself, you can't actually fully understand it. And I think that's probably one of the strengths that you've brought to transitioning into coaching. Um, is that is that a fair assumption? Yeah, I mean, I would like to think so, if I'm completely honest. So when I jumped on the, the PT course, obviously I was at that time, what, 20, 27, um, doing a, an online PT course with 18, 19 year olds. Honestly, Kevin, the first thing that I did was panic. I was like, I'm too old for this. I'm totally, I'm way past it. They're 10 steps ahead of me. Very, very quickly, I realized what I initially saw as a failing was going to be my ultimate tool in moving forward and it was that ability to be like okay what I may be lacking in <laughs> youth <laughs> I can bring in a, you know a little bit of life experience really really simple things being able to talk to people understanding you know exactly what, you're saying, the, the, what it means to have a, a quote-unquote real job what happens when your meeting runs over lunchtime what happens when you have a deadline and you know you can't get home for dinner for a week what happens when you're you're in your office and there's so much going on that you have to have breakfast at your desk and you you never see your partner and that's real life like that is absolutely real life and I'm not saying that I have been there and done it and you know it's I've worn all of the t-shirts but I distinctly remember a time when I was prepping for a photo shoot and I would get up in the morning 
and I would start, I was working my office job, but I was also doing some uh, consultancy work for another firm. So I would get up in the morning and I would do an hour of that remote work from five in the morning till six. I would go from the gym from six to half past seven. I would get ready and go straight to my office job for 9 a.m. I would leave my, I should have been sacked. I would leave my office job at my lunch hour to go to the coffee shop next door to do more remote work. Then I would go back to my office job, leave the office at five, whenever it was, finish off on cardio on the Stairmaster, go home, meal prep, sleep. That was life for a couple of months. Yeah. And, and that would be that it's not real okay it's not real life but it's like it's real life on steroids I understand not not literally by the way but um I literally I remember thinking like this is this is it you're you're literally in the trenches now and I think once you've done that and once you have I don't think it's it's not what I advocate it's not what I you know as a lifestyle coach it's not what I suggest any of my clients do but sometimes I think you have to go so far into it that you you have an idea so it really juggling all those plates at one time I think gave me a perspective that I don't feel a lot of PTs have yeah massively so and this is again like I'll I'll use Jade as the example on that is that when Jade was transitioning into becoming a coach the the one thing that we kind of said with that is right well we don't really want you to to be taking to really be able to help a full spectrum of clients, you almost have to have been through certain parts of the of, of the this the setup with it. And Jade herself had got herself from being in a position where she wasn't happy with how she looked to a position where she was in a, in a very good position, but she also wanted to be able to coach clients who want to take it to 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 the full kind of extent of getting photo shoot conditions. So she she went through that process as well and, and kind of done two shoots with it. But she also done that during a time where she was working, I think I want to say like three jobs if you include like the apprenticeship of coming into to recom as well. So she was working a full-time job as a scientist. Then she was working a part-time job over and above that. And then also doing this and doing a transformation at the same time. And it was like pushing all of those factors at the same time was like, that's given her. Now, I think they started kind of peeling layers of like the part-time job away and stuff like that as we transitioned more and more to this. But that gave her a, like a level of, this was so full on that actually, regardless of how full on a client is, like she actually understands like how we can get sneaky parts of your working day to to work with what we are trying to do because she's had to squeeze it into those five minutes of dead time, if, so, if not three minutes of dead time. In fact, actually it might not even be dead time. It's like, right, well, what do you do in your work task? And how can I all of a sudden get two key more steps in that work task? Because you don't have time at all that you know that's, that's dead time so it's like that level of understanding and insight really only comes through actually doing it front on because for me to get that from like within a working day in an office or in a corporate environment I mean I've done it long enough now that I can actually pretty much just list 20 different options that we could say right okay this is how we're going to get whatever non-negotiable we're struggling with ticked off but to really understand that clients I need to actually ask them the questions you know, and like, right, you let's have a back and forth communication to figure out what it is that you're struggling with. Whereas Jade still does that, but she also has that backup. And I think that's something that you've got as well. It's like that backup of experience of like, well, actually, I can tell you that I get it <laughs> because I do, because I've been there, you know, and I think that's massive. Um, so it's definitely put you in a, in a good position. And it's like, clearly it's landed on your feet with that because uh, what you first thought was a weakness is definitely not. 
I'd hope so. And I think it allows me to, I've been, you know, very, very clear about the fact that I am best at coaching women who were in a similar position to me, like women who feel that they are juggling all their plates at one time. Now, I don't have children. So actually, when you're talking there about, you know, I can suggest various things, but until you've perhaps experienced it, you you don't know absolutely everything. But for example, I've not had I've not had children. I have a lot of clients who obviously are busy working moms. Right. But I have had enough experience of that side of things that I will I'll work with these women. They feel that they don't have much time. They feel that they're in a constant balancing act. They're being pulled this way, that way. They've got social pressures, family pressures, financial pressures. Like they have their life that's cemented. It's my job to make what we're doing weave around that rather than the other way around. For a for a 90-year-old personal trainer to come in and say, listen, we're going to be training five times in the five times a week in the gym. These are going to be your workouts. I'm going to need you in there for you know an hour. Absolutely. We're only going to be eating chicken, broccoli, and rice. And oh, by the way, you can't have any alcohol. You can't have a, a glass of wine on Friday night with your husband, which is the only time you guys get to spend together. No, sack that. Like I need you to, it's it's sorry, it's not realistic. It's not conducive. It's not conducive to the, I believe the overall health and happiness of that client, but that would just be my take on it. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that, that's the, I think that's typically, I don't know if it's a message and disconnect with what we put out, but sometimes actually, or maybe it's just the way I come across sometimes on stories, right? I, I think I'm quite friendly and approachable, but it <laughs> doesn't always seem to be the case, but sometimes people people say would, otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, so like even even this week, I started a new client uh, and she's absolutely crushing it. But one of the things that she said was that this has been the easiest process I've ever started because first off, we actually asked her what foods you enjoy and then set the meal plan based around that, right? Now, I don't have clients stick to meal plans religiously for an entire time, but we do put a bit of a front-end emphasis on it so that we can create structure, right? Mm-hmm. But we've done that. We nailed the structure. She nailed the routine. She talked really, really well. And she started midweek and started on Wednesday which meant that actually day one and a bit of day two weren't perfect because we were juggling a little bit. I was back and forth on WhatsApp and kind of gave her a bit of a strategy for a meal out that she'd already booked in and stuff like that, sorted that. So as a result, when it was like ticking the boxes of her habit tracker, she was like, had to put a couple of no's in there yet, like to start with. And it was like, oh, I thought I was going to get in trouble for that. And I was like, well, I, she, so she thanked me for my response because she was like, it was really nice, supportive, it was great. She's like, but I was a bit scared that I was going to get in trouble for these no's. And I was like, well, first off, like, keep that fear a little bit, right? Because I like that. <laughs> I like that fear. <laughs> I will, I will it's good for my that. ego. <laughs> yeah, I, will, I will play on that. But at the same time, it's much more important to me that you're transparent than you tick the box because I can help you with almost absolutely everything that, that you need help with outside of you just not being willing to work with me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing is like, if there was something that you struggled with, I'd much rather you told me about it and you're never going to get told off. Like I can be firm with a client that's basically just being like, I don't want to do anything. But the biggest, I think that one of the biggest things that that actually gets results is just that transparency between client and coach, you know, and, and that's, that's absolutely paramount to a good, like a good transformation, so to speak. Absolutely. And my girls will know that absolutely the lines of communication are always open. I'm always very, very, I'm honest, I sometimes ask them whether they want good cop and bad cop, but that's not an unusual, I would say for a new client, particularly actually, I would say ladies who are maybe generally 35 and over actually, who have gone through years and years and years of perhaps 
lived through the 90s of extreme skinny dieting and very dichotomous thinking of, you know, you're either on it or you're off it. There is no middle ground. There's no gray area in the middle. You're either there or you're not. So when a client's coming to you and saying, I thought I was going to get in trouble, it's because they're looking at that you know, presumably some kind of checklist and it's not all green ticks. And they, what they're looking at is a slight, what we'll call a, a flaw, a barrier, a, an imperfection. They're looking at that as being completely off the wagon. They're seeing that as, well, you know, I've got, I need to change everything for next week. You absolutely don't. It's because we we have been so conditioned to think, you know, we're either dieting or we're we're binging. We're either, you know, you're either working with your, you know, it's, it's, there is a whole, I always say to the girls, listen, it's, it's, you know, there's one to a hundred, but there's 99 numbers in the middle, hit one of those and do it consistently. Like you don't have to live in these extremes and this like, yes or no, black, white, on, off. Like it's not Katy Perry, hot and cold, yes and no. You know, that song's like, it's not like there is a middle ground. Please just try consistently to make optimal decisions decisions that are more in line with your goals and do that consistently yeah 100 and that's that's the thing and uh, like this is what we touched on in a, in a bit of back and forth is like that actually didn't come from like and, and it may very well come from she maybe expected that from me based around how i put things out on social media or whatever but a, big, a back and forth like was very clear that a lot of that's came from her working with younger trainers in the past where it's been like right you need to do a body like a bodybuilding like full body split you won't need to absolutely when you're training your legs they need to be trashed to the point where you're not walking out the gym um you know you need to be eating like the same kind of structured meals for the next three months just to get in shape and like we need you to abandon your mates for the next three months as well and it's like well actually no these context is king in gray areas like is literally where every client lives because we don't want black and white we're not looking for perfect clients but what we are looking for is somebody who's clear enough to tell us what they are struggling with so we can set up something for them you know and uh it was quite it was nice to see but at the same time i was like right why <laughs> why are we no, struggling? I totally dispute that I th- or maybe because i know you more but i think you come across very very well in social media i would say yeah. And it, it is what it is. I, I was like, like I say, I'm, I don't abandon that fear. I was like, you know, a little bit. <laughs> but uh, just know that you can actually tell me. Now, that, I think that brings us on quite well to to one of our first uh, topics. Mm-hmm. So, I do want to run through what makes a good client because you potentially coach a slightly different demographic for me, but there's very, you know, a lot of overlaps, and I assume that quite a lot of the things that I think make good clients. Um, would be something very similar to yourself but I just want to dig a little bit deeper into that and, and kind of figure out like if we looked at the diet industry as a whole there's a shockingly like low success rate and I think it's quite easy for us to be able to like pinpoint xyz reasons why we would have a much higher success rate than say something just you know so like so structured and so stringent as something like keto or like you know a, a very like close-minded approach that only works for x amount of people and is a very clear system whereas coaching in and of itself is a lot more malleable but at the same time it is a two-way process and actually regardless of how good your coaching is it's never going to have a hundred percent success rate and that's really whenever i give a guarantee of results it comes with context and i'd just like to see right what is what is your context so to speak like what do you what do you find are the attributes that you get 
the best success with within a client within a client i always say that and i'll uh, parrot what you're saying i can put the framework in place i can give you all the structure i can't do the reps for you what i can do however is offer you two things that i think three things four things you know what that i think people are missing a lot sorry um structure is one of them but the accountability side of it clients will always say is the one thing that they're missing the motivation so actually just someone to tell you that you can to give you permission to actually be the best version of you to go in to hit that pb to actually get that gym session done you've never stuck to three gym sessions a week in your life but actually look now you're doing it i'm giving you permission to show up for yourself that's so underrated the other one support so actually having someone that you can go to and say listen this is the problem that i'm having this is a barrier that i'm facing how 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 do i do this how do i address it having someone to lean on have that support network the last one totally totally underrated reassurance hmm. A lot of us know what we should be doing. A lot of us know the principles behind it. And it's actually just that reassurance that, do you know what? You're doing a brilliant job. Crack on. Keep like keep going. Having that. Like, I think that's, that's something that I see more in coaches. So I coach some coaches. Mm-hmm. And actually, they second guess the plans more themselves than, than standard clients would. And I think it's that almost like when you know something, you know yeah. enough to start second guessing it from other contexts but yeah, yeah it's, it's, and that's a huge thing because like almost every coach that i coach could get that result themselves and actually could write a similar program and set up and structure and all these kind of things themselves but it's like having someone else do it for them is the best thing you know it's why every coach on our team has a coach because we don't get to second guess it ourselves anymore we're just like you deal with it <laughs> i'll execute and i've done it by the way i've been a pt with on with with of an online coach and found it incredibly valuable but the art in the coaching is not in the programming per se I think the art of the coaching is in the coaching itself how you are as a human being what's your personality like what are you delivering as a service that to me is what actual coaching is I could write myself a program I could like you you know it's, it's not that's not what I'm looking for you I'm looking to you for I'm looking for the rest of it um but I think when it comes to clients you might really really be able to relate to this I think you can tell within the first couple of minutes of talking to to a client on a call by the end of it for sure whether that client is going to be what kind of client that they're going to be and the things that jump out to me in terms of you know what I look at as someone who I would predict, you know, great success is, is coming. See if they get emotional on a coaching call. That's a big one for me. If someone gets emotional, they care. If someone gets emotional, they want to make a change. They're coming at this from a place where they need to make a change. Someone once said to me that being seven out of 10 comfortable is the most dangerous place you can be. If you're seven out of 10 comfortable, you're coasting, you're fine. There's no reason for you to make change if you are depressed if you are if you hate what you see in the mirror you can't imagine having the confidence to go into the gym you feel shit when you're going sorry you feel not great when you're going out with your friends on a friday night you've not had sex in six months you wouldn't even think of going on a date like if you're coming to me on a call like that you want to make a change you want to feel better about yourself yeah someone that can get emotional and be really really in tune with why they want to make a change they'll do it because they have that drive behind them um the other thing that i would say is maybe slightly i don't know if people would expect this clients who don't go all guns blazing all at once 
So if I sign someone up and then, you know, I set them their whatever their nutrition targets or look at their uh, patterns of eating, et cetera. I set them a gym program. I've given them four days, for example. And they come back to me and they say, Caroline, I did all four days. Oh, and I did them twice. I did eight sessions this week. And oh, you gave me, you know, 1800 calories. Oh, I dropped it to 1500 just for fun. Like that's the kind of thing that I kind of head in the hands. Like I, I appreciate the enthusiasm and I appreciate the, um, but this is probably the kind of thinking that got you into where you are at the moment, that kind of roller coaster of extreme dieting, over restriction, over indulgence. It's that kind of what I'm trying to instill in a lot of my clients is rational thought, considered thought and a more measured approach to, the, to their overall process and throwing yourself right in at the deep end. I'm going to dispute that's going to be conducive to, to long term results. Um, so those would be kind of. And kind of first call, first week flags to me, red or green, depending on which way we're going. But other things that present themselves, I think further down the line, this is actually more evident when we get into the real life. We get to see what they're like when they're faced with, with real life problems, as it were. And you offer suggestion, clients who have that willingness to be more open-minded. So the reason they might have lost weight previously, they might have been uh, successfully dieted before. However, the reason that they're probably working with you is because they have not managed to maintain that weight loss. And the reason that they're working with you is they're looking for something. My clients are looking for something longer term. They're looking to lose body fat and they're looking to maintain that physique. A willingness to be open minded about that, because I'll be completely honest, what you have done previously has not worked for you or you would not be with me this is the, the this is the biggest thing is like we we have two goals with a client first is to get you to a position where you are very very comfortable and confident in how you look and second is to be able to teach you how to stay there forever and actually a large portion of our clients that come to us have already touched that position one they've already hit checkpoint one before now they almost always aren't in that position when they reach out to work with us to start with again but they've been a lot of them have actually been there before where they've, they've actually got in shape where they're like fuck I look good man like my confidence is preserved but typically whatever they've had to do to get there was the the reason why they can't stay there because it is actually by its inherent nature is just completely unsustainable because it's been you know one of these like more extreme approaches and actually whenever they're you know you know yourself, if you're working with a coach for three to six months, there's going to be weeks that maybe don't feel as successful as others. Even if in the grand scheme of things, you're training very, very well, there's going to be weeks that feel a little bit. And they almost always want to go back to that extreme approach. It's like, right, shit, drop my calories. Or you know, let's jack up the, the cardio. Like, can I go on that Stairmaster for 45 minutes every session? It's like, oh, no. Actually, what you need to do sometimes is just take a step back and let whatever fluctuations happen this week iron itself out. You don't need to change anything. And sometimes that's you actually just have to hold that mirror up, don't you? And say, what you were, what you'd done the last time didn't work. It got you to where you wanted to be, but it also was the main factor why you couldn't stay there. And this is why we're doing this in that sustainable way to the point where what we're doing right now isn't sustainable because it's a diet. By its very nature, it should have a terminal point. But we're doing it in a point where you don't shit the bed, you know, and then to the point where it's a much easier transition out on the other side to something that is actually sustainable and you're not thinking about swan diving into chocolate bars you know and and that's the that's the kind of setup that i i completely agree in the sense that that open-mindedness and willingness to be coached is a massive part and it's 
probably going on a tangent here, but something that's really pissing me off about the industry right now is that it's almost like you can't, you almost don't have the ability to, or the, the carte blanche to actually coach your client and tell them what they should be doing rather than asking them what they should be doing. And there is a time and place actually where at the very, very start of somebody's journey, when they've done X, Y, Z before and it hasn't worked for them, you should very much be like, listen, I have done this with X amount of clients. This is the best structure for you. Now, I'm open to interpretation how we apply this, but this is the best structure. And then as and when that coaching relationship evolves, it should be less and less coach-led and more and more client-led. But in that onset, in the first couple of weeks to couple of months, in my opinion, actually should be almost dominantly coach-led what coach listened is the, the biggest part, you know, it's not just like do this because I know it works. It's like do this because I know it will work for your situation. Mm-hmm. But we need to start to peel back those layers of like, actually, I'm giving you more and more of the, the keys to the castle for your end. But that onset has to be like, the client has to be able to listen at that start point, because as the coach, you can ask the right questions to get the right answers. And sometimes the client doesn't even know the question. Yeah, that's so true. And there's two things, actually. The first one is I call them green flags. So when I'm reading through someone's check-in and, you know, some people will call them things like non-scale weight victories and all these things, but those are the things that I'll read in a check-in and I'll say like, actually, that's a victory in itself. The fact that you've voiced that, the fact that you've said that. And one thing that I have tried to instill in clients as much as possible, and I'll notice it the more that they work with me, is they essentially present a structure in check-ins that looks something along the lines of, their check-in will go okay but this barrier happened to me this week could be anything right they'll say this barrier happened to me this is the action that I took at the time this is what I'm going to do going forward so for an example they might say okay um the barrier was that my meeting ran over my lunch meeting ran over and I I couldn't, I couldn't get anything to eat. The action I took was to run to co-op next door and buy a, a pack of chicken, some microwave rice and some salad as a bit of a makeshift lunch. The action that I will do in, or take in future is to make sure that I have a pre-prepared lunch with me so that even if my meeting runs over, I know that I've got something. It's that it's that ability to think for yourself and the fact that you have learned enough on the on the it's almost like they learn what my response to these things would be because they've heard it so often and mm-hmm. you, know, you have to hear things sometimes once sometimes twice sometimes a dozen times I'm okay with that I will tell you it and I'll dress it up in a million different ways but the whole point is that it sinks in it's not just also that it sinks in it's that you then have the confidence and are willing to apply that and to put it into practice. And those are the kind of things in check-ins that are massive for me. I read that and I'm like, right, my job yeah, here is it's working. <laughs> you know, hundred percent. I really like that phrase of green flags, actually. I think that's uh, going in the back pocket. And, there, uh, no, yeah. we do this. We kind of steal things from each other, don't we? <laughs> that's one of the things that just as we were, we were chatting about there is like, initially it should almost always be like, right, we've had this conversation to start with. I've read your application form. This is the best structure that I know how to help you right now. And we're going to have a back and forth every single week to the point where actually you could write your own structure a couple of months down the line, right? But that's one of the biggest, the biggest green flags. I'm already going to use it. But the biggest green flags for me is that someone is reflective and solution-based off the back of it. Because initially when it's like, these moments where things don't go to plan are actually the best teaching points. And it's, it's, it's from these moments that you learn actually 
what is now plan A that might not work, but what's plan B, C, D, and E, and F? And all the way down to the fact that you could never fail again, other than choosing not to do what you're supposed to do. And that, that in and of itself has its own place. But it's like, that doesn't happen unless you actually start to build that ability to be reflective and to be solution-based in the first place. And it's like, when you see that, that's like, and I check it, that's a beautiful thing because you're like, my client is now on that path of not needing me which is class, because that's potentially where you do want to get it to. And my criticism of you say it there, and you're very brass about the fact, and I say it from clients, you know, right from the outset, like I would love you to work with me for six, nine months, and then that be the only coaching that you ever need for the rest of your life. Like if that isn't how, that's me doing my job. If I teach you everything that I need to teach you within that time, and you are happy, you're confident, you've got a great relationship with food, you know how to train that if you, if that's what you take from working with me, amazing. Unfortunately, I believe that the fitness industry in and of itself is not that transparent with, with potential clients. And the thing is what we are like, you and I are both the ultimate goal. Really the ultimate goal is maintenance. The ultimate goal is to get someone to a point where they have that happiness in their own skin. They are at a point where they don't need to track for the rest of their life. They know how to make great decisions surrounding food. They don't feel, they don't need to diet down every couple of weeks as a bit of a tidy up. Like they can happily maintain. That's the ultimate goal for me. Unfortunately, that doesn't sell. And the thing is about clients, like clients sometimes... I used this phrase earlier when we were talking, but you can't see what you don't see, or you can't see, yeah, you can't, you don't see what you, what was that? What did I say? <laughs> oh, you can't see what you don't know was what I meant, but they don't know that maintenance is a thing. They don't yeah. understand that you don't, that maintenance is to be happy in your physique, in your performance, in your productivity, that that is the ultimate goal. But like I say, that doesn't sell. 100%. That's something that I see on actually, like on uh, sales calls with potential new clients is that and I say this in the nicest possible way. I don't want to work with you forever because, like, coaching in and of itself should be like if you remember when you've done your driving lessons, driving instructor doesn't do a, a monthly check in with you anymore. Like, you have completed what he should be teaching you, and it's the same with our coaching. But we've got two options because you don't need to finish with us. It's a slightly different service than the driving instructor. So we've got two options at the end of that first checkpoint is that we either build a lifestyle solution for you or we go into a long-term performance phase. And for people that really don't buy into the training aspect of things, it's like, right, let's teach you true maintenance with the nutrition side of things and you can hold your weight and your shape and be confident that you will never reverse back. But for people that really buy into the training side of things, like, when you achieve a shape that you're happy with, you can still progress your training for decades to come. And this is really where we flip that focus is like, actually let's connect the dots to something that you actually enjoy. And you're now using training as a method of adding value to your life rather than just a means to get in shape. And because it's my personal opinion, purely because I've built a career and a lifestyle and absolutely everything that's came positive in my life is almost always almost exclusively came off the back of chasing goals within the gym through some format is that chasing performance-based goals is a catalyst for, and, and the gym is a catalyst for doing that in every aspect of your life. Once you learn how to look at one goal objectively and then deconstruct how you can take yourself from where you are now to get there, 
that doesn't just apply to training. Like that's not just hitting a new bench PR. That's how you get promotion at work. That's how you get better in relationships. That's how you get more comfortable within yourself. It's like, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. How do I deconstruct that? And it's like a bit of a tangent there, right? But like, that's, that's the, that's the only type of clients that we want to keep in the business is the people that are like, right. Okay. I'm invested in training because I like the training process. Now I would like to continue to get better at this. And that might still have a body composition like goal. Instagram's made this much easier. Almost every girl I coach now wants a big ass. You know, <laughs> like that wasn't the case ten years ago. Like it used to just be get as skinny as you can. Um, so it, you know, there's definite connections there. But a big part of it's like, right, well, let's see training for what it actually is. And it's like, right, let's give you a focus outside of that. But but I would say it's probably split even even. You know, like a lot of our clients are like, I don't give a fuck about this. I'd rather just play tennis twice a week and like stay semi-strong and like learn how to maintain. <laughs> and and that's awesome. You know, and, and for those clients, they almost just graduate. Forward. I would say there's something about watching uh, a female feel very, I know, I will say this, it's specifically females who become very, very empowered by what they they do in the gym. And it's quite special, actually. It's because they always have this glass ceiling on on what they are supposed to be able to do within a gym context specifically. The minute that you lift the lid on that, it's it's quite special. Um, and women who get into the performance side of it and they enjoy being strong, that's a switch that's flicked. And you notice that as well. And I would say that what happens with clients who I work with that 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 happens to one it happens takes time it does take a little bit of time um it's a really really subtle thing where potentially the gym was once a place that induced a lot of anxiety they got nervous about going in there they thought everyone was looking at them very very mindful about form didn't want to lift too heavy until they couldn't in, in case they couldn't and then the gym becomes that quote-unquote happy place they can't imagine not being there they can't you know th- their day they don't feel right in their day until they've been to the gym that's a transition and it does take time but that's a brilliant brilliant place particularly to get to a female to to enjoy the gym space I couldn't agree more and like genuinely one of the biggest indicators that I've like and I can literally pinpoint it down to the moment where we get our girls to do the first unassisted pull-up like that is that is that sweet spot where like it's not the same for everybody right but that's that's the sweet spot the, the second that that happens almost every single time it's like that starts that that sparks that like i'm a badass in the gym now you know i can do my own unassisted pull-up and it's what like is that, it about the pull-up that's like i've earned my stripes like i've yeah, earned I'm, my stripes and now i'm a badass bitch like now i can do it but yeah it's it's something about it yeah 100 and it's like that that transition from and it's i mean definitely like without getting all like full tangent and, and going into like the differences in society in terms of where females and males are brought up and stuff like that. But there is a massive part of it when it comes to the physical part is that, you know, even, even if you take it back to school and PE and all these type of things, like you were never really rewarded from a society point of view for being strong or athletic. Or and trying hard. Yeah. And, you know, and putting the effort in, in that realm, it was almost always, other aspects that you would be rewarded for so when that starts to transition and you see what benefit that brings to your life it's like well, holy fuck I never I, this hasn't even been a conversation for me for the last two three four decades like how have I been missing this you know 
I marvel at women who can go to the gym. I don't know how they do it. They go to the gym with full makeup, their hair is done. Kev, when I go to the gym, I look like I've been an absolute mess, like full on sweating places you shouldn't sweat, your hair's all over the place. You don't, why would you have makeup on? Like all these things, but because it's not, I don't believe that it's seen as quote unquote normal to put in that effort. It's not, it's about looking good, like look shit in the gym so you can look great outside of it like you should be the hardest working person I think anyway that's my and to my girls don't be afraid if you're sweating don't be afraid if she doesn't look like she's working that hard she's probably not go and push yourself go on like there's a I don't know it's a bit of a bugbear of mine actually I think it's just because I'm a naturally very like red (laughs) red faced (laughs) person when I work out yeah 100% um yeah I agree with that as well it's it's it isn't something that's typically rewarded, is it? And like, but well, it is. It's just not publicly rewarded. You know, it's very much a case of in the back, the back end of it, you'll get that connection yourself, right? So to 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 steal it right back to on track, like one of the biggest parts there really was just the ability to be coachable. Is I suppose if we sum that up in in one aspect, is there anything else that really stands out to you? Is like this is, I know I've got I'm onto a winner when I've got this within a client. there's one thing it's not actually to do with the coaching relationship per se but one thing I absolutely love in a client and I know they've gotten to a place where they're very very secure in their own journey and their own uh, trajectory is when they start to big up other clients Mm. so when they really really start to enjoy the successes of other people only people who are content in their own situation in their own goals in their own work ethic I think can do that I think when you can start to see that what's that phrase it's like if your light shines it doesn't dim mine or whatever it is like that I think when you can enjoy the successes of other people like for example I would look at your business and instead of thinking oh my god oh they're doing this blah 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 blah, blah. you know I should be doing this this makes me a bad coach and I would look at what you're doing and think that is incredible like how can I learn from that like how can I learn from these guys what aspects of things are they doing that I could pull from in exactly the same way I love when clients get excited for other people they get like they can say well do you know what if that person got results like that instead of resenting that instead of making that a marker on on me as a you know as my results being less than that I'm going to ask them how they did that and do you know what people who get success are the first ones to tell you one that it's not easy and that there's plenty of failures along the way but they're also two the first people to help you and make you want to level up as well I have found so when clients start to do that and they're like do you know what I can be genuinely genuinely happy for you and I can really what I want to build a community I want to build you know people around me who are great to bounce off of and energy is infectious and Mm. like I say I think when you get to a point in your own fitness journey you will start to either be that person for other people or you'll start to attract things in your life and I really do think that that's not um that's not luck you will attract what is is meant for you and whether it be Uh, other people in the gym whether it be people at work who start to notice how you're changing and your performance is improving you know you're getting promoted like this is all a byproduct I call it the ripple effect of of what we're doing people think they're getting training and nutrition what they're actually getting is you know a proper night's sleep they've got more energy they're more productive at work they're showing up better in their relationships they've got more time for their family all of these things like that is 
that is the epitome of it. Am I just like, sorry, you're like, no, <laughs> no, no. I 100% agree with that. Like, you're very much speaking to. So, last year, um, I was a nice little sunset conversation with uh, one of my mates, Simon. Uh, we were both in Lisbon and we were just chatting about like how fucking mental it is that we've built these online businesses that like that really allow us to build. It's, it's not just a job, it's not just a business. It, we've done it in a way that actually it really we built something that was based around our passion. And that really came from both of us really realizing that I, I said it earlier in, in this, that the, the training and, and chasing performance based goals is a catalyst for other aspects. And so we had that conversation last October when we were both in, in Lisbon. And then uh, I want to say it was like December. One of my, uh, one of my clients who he coaches with uh, James now, but originally, like way, way back when Recon started, they coached with myself and we went through that initial transformation process. Amazing client, like super, super coachable, got amazing results off the back of it. But he reached out to me just to grab a call. Um, I spoke to him about it and it was because he's chasing a, promo- a promotion and work. And one of the first things that he said to me was like, I actually looked at everything that we've done through Recon and I've just replicated it. So I've broke it down into milestones. I've broken it down into weekly non-negotiables. So he's even using the language. He's like non-negotiables. And then what I've also done is I've asked one of the guys in work to keep him accountable. So he's now got a mentor towards that. And I was like, you've literally just created the whole principles of what we are doing to fast track what you've done, but you've done it in the workplace. I was like, that's fucking huge. You know, and uh, and so he was asking, basically he was doing extra stuff. The point of the call was so that we could get some like, um, like kind of additional stuff that he would get brownie points and work set up from a, like a health and fitness side of things. But I was like, he's already using that. He's doing the extra miles. He's, he's putting the extra work in, but he's using it in an infrastructure of we are trying to create progression in this aspect. And that like, that's all coaching really is, isn't it? Is like, I think that if we, if we look at it, what it, you know, we might sell health and fitness, but actually it's like, that's a core part of your life. And when you nail that, everything gets better. Oh, absolutely. I think there's, uh, there's two things on that. One, fitness is such a metaphor for life. And what I love about the gym in, in principle is that when you t- take a client through a process like this, hard work is always rewarded. I can guarantee that if you put hard work in, you will get some kind of reward. Absolutely. Like it goes without saying that you will get that reward. And the thing is that um, ethos of if I work, I will get the reward from it transcends into other areas of life without a shadow of a doubt and it's so funny she's actually a coach of mine now um, but my client at the time a uh, client turned friend turned coach we have a kind of funny joke where we'll say we call it progressive overloading our life so we were actually we we're talking we we're actually talking about relationship and uh, in that context you know it, it, things were things had to anyway um you can progressive overload I'm going to add <laughs> I don't have I don't have uh, the uh, permission to share that, but um, we talk about progressive overloading our life, and what it mean what I mean by that is, say for instance, you are someone who you have a horrendous sleep pattern at the moment, and you sleep until God knows what time in the morning, and you you know you always watch the next episode of of whatever on Netflix and whatever whatever. Instead of being like from now on, I'm not going to do any of that, and I'm going to go up, get up at six a.m. Why don't you just progressive overload your life a little bit? Why don't you give yourself a hard stop on the Netflix 
um, mm. in the evening. And then why don't you pull that bedtime back 15 minutes? Why don't you pull it back half an hour? Why don't you pull back that, you know, that when you get up in the morning back, just progressive overload, just make it a little bit more challenging. Move the goalposts a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. If you are someone at the moment who, I don't know, you all, you have three takeaways per week. Okay, well, why don't you reduce that to, to one that you're really, really going to enjoy? Why don't you switch that takeaway up for a home cooked meal? Just make the goalposts, make it a little bit more challenging. Change it for yourself. And that's kind of what we mean by mean by progressive overload. I love that, actually. It's, that's something I use. I don't call it progressive overload for life. So that, again, that's another one that's gone in the back pocket, right? But one <laughs> of the best ones that I describe that to clients, because when they first start this, that can, like, no matter how easy we make it for them, how suitable we make it for them, it can be quite a significant change in their lifestyle that it can feel quite overwhelming or quite daunting. And it's like, that can almost make them shit the bed to the point where like, oh, this is too much. I can't do this. I'm not, I'm never going to be able to achieve this. Touch and such, right? But one of the things I always use as an example is like, especially if I know that the clients like went to uni or, or, or whatever that was, or, you know, done exams back in the day, you know, and I always say that actually this doesn't ever get easier, right? So here's the selling part here. I'm going to bust the bubble. This is always going to be hard work. But the difference is you are going to get better at dealing with hard work. And that's the difference of how this is going to get, quote unquote, easier for you. Because if we go back to when you were at uni, when you had no like responsibilities outside of meeting that exam, like that felt like the most stressful time of your life. But now fast forward to now, you've got a boss who's breathing down your neck, you've got deadlines, you've got kids to feed, you've got a house or mortgage to pay, all of that additional stress doesn't feel any less or more stressful than that shit when you were back in the day. You've just got better at dealing with all of this. And that's the same when it comes to this process as well. Like, it's not going to get easier. You're just going to get stronger. And that's the that's the difference. And it's like, if I, if I took the current stress of dealing with Recomp and gave it to 21-year-old Kev, <laughs> pretending that he was studying for his sports science degree, yeah. it would bring oh, him- go back to architecture. And I hope that the 45-year-old Kev would laugh at the workload and the stress like dealing that I can deal with just now, you know? Um, and that, that's the always setting those little milestones to challenge yourself. Um, it really does actually build that, doesn't it? It's called life. Just don't run, don't run a marathon because that is the stupidest idea ever to do that. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, built for, um, I'm built for speed, not endurance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a that's another like good part in terms of like what what bringing a client like what a client can bring to the table in terms of like what's needed for a transformation, I suppose, or, or not even a transformation, just the result. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I always ask for is just transparency. And the, the, you said it at the start in terms of like if a client gets emotional in that initial like call with you, you can tell that you've got something that it means something to. Yeah. So I used I actually got a much higher percentage of this when I was on the gym floor. I think it's more just the, the face-to-face connection maybe makes it feel, people feel a bit more comfortable than crying in their, a room themselves uh, on Zoom, you know, and telling you, you that. Know, I get that all the time. I had a few last week. But you know what? I think as well, it's it's you as an individual, I think maybe it's a female-to-female thing as well, but um, it people will do that if they feel that they can and they feel that it's a safe space to do it. And do you know what? I'm, I don't mind you being here because I plan to take you up here. Yeah, and yeah. that's, and I think you can, if someone's getting emotion, emotional, that's fine, but instill in them the confidence that they have the ability to make that change. And that's your job as a coach. 
to empower them that, that we can do that. It's up to them to yeah. take the opportunity though. Yeah, fully, fully. And that's like the, the three things that I always ask for at the start is like hard work, consistency and transparency. It's like, if you give me all three of those, I will get you a result. Like, and that's when it's guaranteed because again, you touched on it. It's like, this is one of the only factors or the only kind of realms that hard work is guaranteed to get you a result, you know? Um, whereas like you could work really, really hard and not get a promotion. Like, so that's why we work for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you just you know, I have a promotion. Even then, like, you know, if you're in the if you're in the wrong boat, you're never going to get to where you want to be. So, um, but yeah, um, so a little bit of a pivot. What is uh, what's coming up next for CWC? And what? Well, in fact, actually, not what's coming up next. What do you do? Let's, let's <laughs> what are you doing? You know, it's so funny. You asked. You mentioned there about you know it doesn't get easier and. I, well, I will give you complete transparency. I had a walk this morning with my mum. My mum, she talks about business for 10 minutes. She's, she's Deborah Meaden. Like it's, no, but she's been great. She's been a great sounding board for me. But we literally had a conversation where I was discussing the changes that happened in the business. And it is a lot. It's a lot to deal with. And that's, it's different. What it is, is it's different. And it's going to force, it's challenging me. And what's going to challenge me is going to force me to change. Um, but things are moving on. We are now a, a team of three overnight, which is which is both incredible and it's not something that I thought would happen this early. It is amazing. I think everyone, I I really like the what's the phrase? Is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together or whatever. And that really has like when I was away, I was away for a month and I just had this epiphany that you're you're not a lone wolf anymore like you, you need to you work well off the energy of other people and it's good for it's good for the business it's good for you as an individual and I want to do this with other people I want to take people with me in exactly the same way that you've done and what's next for us as a company or or as an individual oh to be honest um as a company like as CWC I mean it goes without saying we're always looking for growth and development and that's the growth of our clients but also the development of the of the business I'm I want to be the very very best I'm um, coaching well not to compete with you guys <laughs> I want to be the very very best version of us that we can be it's nothing to do with anyone else I want to be the very very best version of us that we can bring to the table and clients know when that they sign up that they are you know they're going to get the support and they're going to get everything that they need to get their results like that is the ultimate that's the goal and yeah personally I have a massive value on I'm sure I'm saying this to you while you're recording this in Bali like freedom is a massive thing for me and I think sometimes people mistake freedom with avoidance like they'll think when people are talking about freedom, they're like, oh, I just really want to be free. That doesn't mean that you're avoiding responsibility. That doesn't mean you're avoiding anything, but the freedom to make choices. Like if I want to go and work in, in Mexico for a month, if I want to go and, you know, if I want to fly my team out to wherever to do a week's work, wherever, or if I want to, you know, send my mum to on holiday, but like freedom, that's what I mean by that. And I think that's always the ultimate goal, like having options and having, so that's my big driver, I think generally is, is having. I love that actually. That's one of the, it was very, very similar reasons as to, to why we transitioned online. Um, Cause I, like, I don't know if a lot of people know this because 
the boom of recomp essentially started when like the, the the you know essentially the world locked down but like i had transitioned online prior to that i had a contracting job for another company and the the reason that i'd done that was for what you just said there was like the ability to have options to have freedom to not be limited to one location but when i look back at what i was asking for back then it was a naive version of what i thought i wanted and actually what you need to have true freedom in my opinion is to have financial freedom to have location freedom and then to have time freedom and that's getting that sweet spot balance between how much the company brings you from a financial point of view but also how much it actually consumes of your time because if you are if you've got the ability to go to a fancy location and you've got the ability to pay for a really nice apartment and feel good there but you've got absolutely no ability to spend the time there to actually just be yourself or do things that you want then you will not feel free you know and it's like the the level of depth that going into these type of things makes a it makes a massive difference to actually just think a lot of that through as well and I, I made that mistake the first time was like I, I got two of those and didn't have a third and then I kind of you know you push and pull and ebb and flow until the point where you actually get a sweet spot where you're like huh this is what I wanted <laughs> I think there's a thing as well of um it's not about you know we, we both will work a lot of hours when you have your own business like that is you work more hours than you probably ever ever have it does feel different and I think that's definitely something that I was aware of when I was away that actually it's not selfish to take care of yourself it's mm. absolutely not like I show up best for my clients when I am my best version of me and by best version I do mean feeling good about you know feeling training feeling good in my own shell, investing in myself both as a person and financially investing in my own business. When I am growing, other people can grow with me. I can impact other people and they, they feel the energy. Like when you're high, it's infectious. It's your house. Mm. When, you're, when your energy is high, <laughs> yeah. that's not my jam. When you are, when you are feeling like that, it is incredibly, incredibly fit. It's hard to be in a room with someone who is like, you know, 100% all guns blazing and not get a little bit of that on the side of it. And I think you want, well, I want to show up as that person for my clients because it brings out the best in them as well. And you need your own, you need space, you need uh, time, you need to be reflective and you need to still be doing things for you, I think, in order to show up like that. So it's a really, really delicate balance. So it's one that I have absolutely not figured out hands up oh, and I don't know that I ever will like like I suppose you it's things like uh of course like your your personal life will take a hit like if you're at home and you're you're programming you're setting up and you're automating and you do all this like you don't have time to go out every Friday and Saturday and do it like it's but that's a trade-off that you make because maybe further down the line you will have a little bit more more time but for now this is working really really well and I feel my happiest, I feel my most fulfilled when I am putting my energy into this. Your energy is a finite resource every single day. Mm -hmm. Be really, really careful where you spend it, who you spend on, what you spend your time doing. And if anything is depleting that energy unnecessarily, this might sound harsh, get rid of it. You don't need it. Yeah, yeah, that's a skill in and of itself is being able to say no as well, isn't it? Um, something that you touched on there, like at home with me, and it was, it's, I, I, it took me to the ripe old age of 31 to learn this one, right? Is, is that 
I can quite easily get caught up in just working every single hour of every single day. Um, much to <laughs> much to Jade's dislike, <laughs> um, but I would happily just like work on on what we're doing because I, recomp isn't a job for me. You know, it's it's very much a case of like I want to build this to the point where if I can have even more impact on people's lives, amazing. Like the more the better. Like that that's fantastic. I want to want to make sure we can do that for as many people as possible. And as a result, I know that's going to take more from me. But what you said there is like when you are at your best, that's much more infectious. So if I just go, 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 then actually recomp only ever gets me at 60 to 70% because I'm redlining the whole time. And I learned that lesson the hard way last year. And it wasn't until on the other side of it when I was like, how the fuck can I make sure that doesn't ever happen again to the point where I feel that exhausted in myself. And it was a conversation with Kieran from uh, TMP, Total Mental Performance, really really good sounding board for understanding especially people that like are fully into something like uh, you know business owners and stuff um is that my personality doesn't switch off like ever but if i just stay on on recomp the entire time then what it would do is start to slowly but surely burn out at that point so what i need to do is figure out what gives me energy back mm-hmm. and switch on to that and it's something that I've worked very, very well with clients that are very driven within one aspect. It's like, well, actually, you see downtime as something that's taken away from something you really want to grow and something you really want to put into. But actually, it's not. It's that downtime versus up, downtime equals uptime. And because you're recharging your batteries to an extent. But if I ask you to just sit there and not do anything, it's going to be the worst thing for you. It's going to frustrate you. So let's figure out something that actually allows you to get what we need from it, whether it's de-stressing, whether it's socializing, whatever it actually is. And we figure out how we structure that. So for some of our clients, actually, I've actually applied that in the sense of like, I need you to make sure that you're meeting three or four friends on a Wednesday night midweek, because I know that your work week's really, really difficult. And if you've got something that's midweek that recharges you, you get to Friday not feeling like you want to push the fuck it button. That's, you know? yeah. that's one that's really really clever on your part and very great strategically in time in terms of coaching that type a personality type and I think if you took a, a lineup of 100 uh, self-employed or business owners I reckon 90% have that personality type and it's that's that's why though it lends itself to be very good at certain things being good at the grind is one of them. Being good at switching off and being able to relax, I can't do it to my own detriment. Um, and you're saying this exactly the same thing. Like it's there becomes a point in your own growth though that you realize how essential that is. And it's realizing how to do it in the micro doses that allow you to keep propelling forward. I think it's almost like having like a little bit of. I don't know, like drip feeding some fuel on some sort of fire. Like you need something there that's just going to keep it going and just allow it to to continue. Um, but it's it's always going to be a, a thing. I wonder as well, like, I mean, when we used to do it, it was so, so, so unhealthy. Uh, the architecture game is so badly run in terms of business. Like there's no money in it at all. You work more than you're rewarded. Like I wonder as well if perhaps that has been instilled in me and not not to a positive but I wonder if that's something to do with it that I find it very very hard to um to see that less can sometimes be more and we need to watch here because we need to practice what we preach with what we do with our clients because I wouldn't have a client training five six times a week 
and wouldn't have them pushing and I wouldn't have but it's when you're in it when you're in your own business and obviously you want the best for it it's quite hard but that's going to come like we're going to sit here at 40 and have this conversation and be like do you know what it, we had to do those years we had to push this has turned into a very very business chat sorry if any of you <laughs> but we're going to sit I was back just going to fill it back actually sorry yeah, we're, a- we're just going to sit back at 40 and say though do you know what those years were necessary to get to where we we wanted and we needed to go that's and the, that's you could translate that into fat loss so you have that's to put in that graft yeah. yeah you have to put that graft in to see that you know it, it is easier on the other side but you have to get in there and do the work to allow future you to have an easier time of it a hundred percent and that's this is why we have the, the the checkpoints that we've got at recom in terms of the different phases and so we've got our prime diet and a perform like three separate phases that are clearly distinguishable between what we're actually asking of you to be focused on within that point. But even within the diet phase, like that front end, the prime and the, the, the diet, that whole point is to get you to a position where you feel comfortable. But that should be a lot of front end effort. No matter how tailored we make it to you, it should very much be a more consuming part of your life than what maintenance actually is at any point. But then towards the tail end of the, the diet phase, if we've got clients that want to go from, I hate putting like this label on it, but it, it is what it is. If you want to go from being in good shape to in great shape, like phenomenal shape, that's going to require, like the, 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 there's a point of diminishing returns in it that you need to put even more and more and more and more effort in to the point where the reward is, doesn't the juice isn't quite worth the squeeze for most people, right? But if you want to take it from good to great in that point, you actually do need to do something that is not even remotely sustainable and actually is redlining absolutely everything. So we're talking like 15 to 20 plus K steps per day, multiple cardio times per week, probably in excess that makes you absolutely detest this the stairmaster or the, the whatever you're doing with it and then again it might even be training five to six days per week with long sessions on low food but that's typically what it takes to go from like to get that last five percent you know so whenever i've got somebody that does ask me for that and i've taken clients to the point where like they are like ridiculously for lack of a better term dick skin lean you know like there's no fat left on them but anytime i've ever done that it's like right this is what it's going to take I'm being upfront with you about it beforehand. And this is the time frame that we're doing it in because on the back end of that, we are going to have to use a bit of a time frame to actually take you back out of it. And even if you're not happy with where you're at, we're done. Yeah. You can do it the next cycle because if we don't, we're going to do some long-term damage to you or you're going to have such a negative reaction on the other side of that. That, that actually, that if I'm taking you into the deep end, this is the time frame. Are we okay with that? If we are, then good. And I think this is something that I've learned this year is to learn to push and pull, even with business, even with training, is actually to learn how to juggle things a lot more in terms of, right, I'm really pushing this at this point, but then I'm pulling back at this point, and then I'm pushing at this point, and I'm pulling back at this point, which just so happens that the fitness industry's got very PK uh, sales points in the year as well, so we know when to do that. But um, So we can factor in our own things, like July, for example, where I'm doing my own shit, my own training is going to be more of a priority. July is also not a month where a lot of people sign up which is quite nice, you know? So 
there's there is learning how to push and pull with these type of things you do and, push and pull i do it with sorry i'm conscious of time i do it with quadrants so i try and i get clients to visualize almost imagine like a pie chart and that pie chart is filled with whatever quadrants are features of your life at any given time so it might be physique it might be work it might be family life it might be your finances maybe you're saving for something each of those uh, components takes up a quadrant now people think that quote unquote balance is that each of those quadrants is of even size that's not life okay so when we talk about those quadrants and we talk about the push and pull what i'm talking about is the expansion or contraction of any of those quadrants they're never redundant so you never stop saving completely or you never stop working on your physique or you never completely stop being in a relationship maybe you but you, your relationship is always there for example or or and your job is always there but the proportion of that quadrant in the grand scheme of things may change so for example for sorry the proportion of that quadrant yeah in the grand scheme of the pie chart may change so for you come july your physique quadrant is going to get bigger right and you know you might have to make you know your social quadrant might go down slightly because you're making that compromise you're making that trade-off but you are only as much energy as that pie chart will allow that's that's your whole that's all you have and you have to yeah. be really really careful i think and be really realistic that it is not even it's not perfect sizes of everything that's where people trip up i think is that they think that's what balance is balance isn't that well to me it's not yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, the, the, the way that I describe that is that people think balance uh, balance is a destination. It's always an act. You know, it's something that's continual and you will never get there. You may feel that you're balanced, but then something will unbalance you and you need to regain that, you know, and it's always like learning how to stay balanced is, you know, and actually if you want something outside of where you're at just now, you may need to learn how to be unbalanced with that and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. so long as you know how to come back yeah. you know because when you go too far one way and you stay there for too long that's typically when things start to go a bit south right so to to wrap it up because we are a little bit conscious of time here there's one thing that i always think can really tell uh the value of a coach right i'm <laughs> <You're> like, nervous testing <laughs> here uh anticipating this question but there's one thing that i, I really think separates a coach from uh, from somebody who's who's really going to turn into a great coach at any point or is a great coach. And that is somebody who can look back at themselves and say, right, what's something that I used to believe that I no longer believe? Because you should always, in my opinion, you should always evolve. And the longer you get into the game, typically there's going to be less of these big moments. But is there anything that you think is a core belief or like a, is a, a principle that you used to apply that you no longer apply to clients? To clients specifically? Or just like in general, like as a coach, is there as a coach? As a coach, I used to think it was me against the world, and I used to think it was everything was always on me, and I had to do it alone. And the merit in what I was doing was always going to be down to me, and all the decisions that I made had to be made by me. The more that I have let other people yourself included the more that i have had open dialogue the more that i've asked questions the more that i have been curious and been open to other ideas the more i have gained mm. tenfold and i i actually said this to my mum on our walk this morning and said do you know what i can sit back and say things at the moment seem a little bit turbulent 
but I have an inbox full of people who I can ask, who I can lean on, who I can send that message to, who I can get that support from. And I am so lucky to have that. And it's because because of that, not openness on my side, but it's a willingness, I think, to accept and to give and to be like, to try and build around you, not just, you know, not just in a work capacity, but people who I would have maybe seen previously as competition, quote unquote competition, are now people who are in my inbox that I can message and say, hey, how are you? What do you think about this? Or, you know, here's just a funny meme because I saw it and thought of you, but I think having that support network was something that I previously thought I, I had to do this on myself and I had to do it. Um, yeah, that it had to be just me. But do you know what? It's, it's absolutely not. And you gain so much from, from other people's expertise and other people's opinions. And yeah, I, I think that and I hope that I can bring some value to other people as well. Yeah, 100%. And that's the like we wouldn't be coaches if you couldn't learn things from other people you know were you expecting me to say i've changed my um opinion on keto or something i changed my opinion on intermittent fasting and i just dived into some kind of i was happy to let that question be completely open and that's you know here's the thing like that's a that's not a variable that's a perspective that you've changed it's not a like here's you know here's a here's a set way in which I used to set clients up with calories or here's a set food that I used to think was a superfood you know um it's actually how you're viewing growth and that that in and of itself is massive you know so um yeah I rate that it was was it what I expected I don't know like well, well I've changed <laughs> I used to eat spinach with every meal I no longer do is that more on you <laughs> that's a win literally a win. everything <laughs> I um I've been asked that question before and and it was a uh, like off the back of like way, 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 way back when um, a gym that I used to work in, like we had a very set approach of like how you would get clients to, to get in shape. And we used to have, <laughs> we used to get clients to drink a greens drink in the morning that was blended purely from like as many vegetables as you could get in your fucking blender and then like was it up and drink it. And it was like, my clients are getting such great results. Like, why is this like it must be this green strength maybe it is like detoxifying if <laughs> now we're going back nearly a decade here right so bear with me but I still kept that and even when I found out that I didn't believe that like you see, see when I actually found out it wasn't impacting anything and the reason I kept it in is because I was like well actually there's a correlation between keeping that and and like I, I'm, I'm not believing in it but it's still getting results and the reason it was actually getting results was the placebo effect <laughs> but then I'm sorry then that evolved to the point where I was like, no, I actually feel bad for getting clients to do shit that they shouldn't be shouldn't be doing. Like, I would argue in your favour that if you're getting people to do that and that's the first act that they're doing in the morning or one of the first things that they do in the morning, that sets the tone for the day. However, I would suggest not to follow your advice and set someone up with their own morning routine that works well for them. <laughs> so this is, this is now what I do. Yeah, it's like I'll actually ask you a question. I was like, and sometimes that morning routine is turning Netflix off or putting your phone in another room so that you're not scrolling you know um so I still want clients to start on a positive note but I don't need to blend the vegetables anymore so <laughs> but, uh, yeah 100 um right okay so 
I've stole this entirely, and this is the first time I've done it, but I'm to- I've stole this entirely from the Diary of the CEO podcast. Which uh, I love. This is Why have I yeah, got so podcast. late into this? Like, I only started listening to it in Mexico, and now I just love him. Like, I absolutely, I think he's wonderful. Same. Like, I, I'd listened to, like, one or two off the back of it, and I actually didn't, it was solo podcasts way back in the day, and I actually didn't read it because I thought it was extremely self-indulgent, and I was like, oh, who is this wanker? Um <laughs> But, because it, it, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go on to that in another reason, right? But, like, the, I didn't rate it because I just felt like he was justifying every hard decision he ever had to make within his business. And I was like, you're just using a podcast to self-justify. Let's, let's go on. Anyway, but he's very, very good at interviewing people. And I think, actually, you see a better side of him when he's in conversation rather than just in conversation with himself. So, each to their own. But he does this thing at the end of every uh, episode where he asks whatever guest he's got on to leave a question now I am not doing this in person I would love to have had it um, you know a, a nice physical diary where I don't know what the question is but I'm going to try and make sure that these podcasts are lined up to the point where the next one that I've got somebody on they've not heard this so they shouldn't know the question just yet right so my question to you is do you have a question for my next guest and oh, yeah, I obviously prepared this because it's me. Um, do I say it or? Yep, say it. Yeah. Um, name a failure that you're glad has happened and that you've learned a lot from. Then name a failure that you just didn't wish, <laughs> that you wish just didn't happen. I rate that. I like that. So if you're listening to this just now, you need to tune into the next episode to find out the answer <laughs> to that. Um, that is quite a juicy one. So I'm looking forward to seeing that myself. And um, I'll, <laughs> I'll try and get somebody interesting on that. I know that that's going to be a juicy answer too. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm, glad glad to is a thing. I'm glad you pulled your finger out and the podcast is now a thing. It's not a thing yet. I need to create momentum with it before I can say it's a thing. So let's see. I'll get a full quarter under my month, under my belt. Three months of this back to back no breaks no weeks missed and then we can call it a thing right yeah um, you're wonderful in video and you're wonderful in dialogue so i would be hammering like i would be doing more of this time oh you say that but i'm in uh i'm in valley and everybody keeps asking me what i've said at least three times so <laughs> but, right but we'll wrap it up at that and thank you very much for coming on and thank you to everybody that has made it to this this point um before we wrap it up where can people find you where can people find me? I hang out on Instagram mostly. You can find me at coaching dot with dot Caroline at coaching with Caroline. Or I have my own little podcast. Um, there are, you're on mine. You've been on. You actually featured twice on the podcast. I and but mostly I do. I'm Stephen Bartlett pre diary of and I get on there and and I chat away every single week there's usually a, a topic um to hand or it's a QA and a or something that I'm going through with my clients at any given time but Instagram and the podcast are the best places to find me it's just called coaching with Caroline the extras I didn't have the foresight to make a jazzy title it was also never meant to be heard by anyone other than my clients but here we are 60 odd episodes down the road and people still listen to it so yeah so I probably should have started with a with a snazzier title but yeah we evolve and grow but thank you so much for having me it's been lovely to catch up it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure and we'll wrap up at that